Aren't you glad God is still rolling stones? Have you thought of that? Have you thought of the fact that God is still rolling stones in our lives? That's why we've called this Still Rolling Stones this morning. We want to talk about all the different kinds of stones that God rolls in our lives ever since that first big one that was rolled away on Resurrection Sunday. We call it Easter Sunday. That big stone that God rolled away that very first Easter morning. So let's jump in and let's just remind ourselves why we're here today and what brings us here today. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples and he wrote one of the testimonies of uh, what happened that morning. So here it is. Early on Easter, or early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. How would you like to be the other Mary? Like, don't even give her a last name, right? Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Girly men, that's what they were. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's the good news. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. So I want you to notice this morning as we, as we work our way through this story that can become familiar sometimes, and it never should become familiar, that God sent an angel to roll away the stone that had sealed the tomb where Jesus was laid. And this was a big stone, but this was not the biggest stone that the angel would roll away that day. There was a bigger stone. Now, some people still think today that the angel had to come down and roll away the stone because Jesus was trapped inside the tomb and, and somehow he couldn't get out. The Son of God couldn't get out of the tomb. So God says, go let my son out of the tomb. You know, No, that's not what happened at all. Jesus was not there when the stone was rolled away. He was already risen. Already risen. He had checked out. The room was too small. The bed was too hard. He was gone. You know, he was out doing his father's business already. So why would God take the trouble of sending an angel to roll away the stone if the Son of God had already risen and passed through the walls of the tomb? Why? Why would God do that? Well, God rolled the stone away for the same reason he continues to roll stones away today. He rolled the stone away so that Jesus' friends who came to the tomb could look in and they could see that he was gone and they could see that he was risen and they could believe. God rolled the stone away so that they could believe. And God is still rolling stones. He's still rolling stones today so that we can believe. I know that in a room this size, a lot of us are believers But I know there's also some people that were in my condition and many of your condition years ago that have not yet believed. And so I believe that God wants to roll away the stone of unbelief for you today. If you're here today and you've never believed, you've never set your hope and trust on Jesus, you've never received all the love, all the forgiveness that he has for you, then I believe that that's what God wants to do for you today. He wants to roll away that stone. 
And so we want to talk about that this morning. We want to see how that happens. So the biggest stone that God rolled away that day was not the stone stone. It was not the big stone that was sealing the tomb. But it was the stone of unbelief. And that's number one in your notes today. God is still rolling stones of unbelief today. Of all the stones that we'll ever have in our life, this is the biggest stone. It's the stone of unbelief. It's the stone that separates us from Jesus Christ himself and the love that he has for us and the forgiveness of our sins. Unbelief separates us from his love. You know, Jesus did his part, came down from heaven, lived a life as one of his own humans so that he could know what it's like to live in this fragile state and he could experience all the sufferings and troubles, weaknesses, temptations that we go through, yet did not sin. And then he went to the cross and he took on all of our sin, all the sin of all the world for all time, and the curse of sin, took it to the cross, died on that cross, separated from his father, abandoned, and went into a darkness that none of us will ever imagine or experience. But then he rose from the grave. Then he rose from the grave. And he rolled away the stone of unbelief for any that would believe. You know, Romans 3.22 says that we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, simply by believing. And the Bible says here that this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. You know, uh, the Western world here in the U.S., we're latecomers to this Christian thing. You know that, right? Like Christianity didn't start in the U.S. You know that, don't you? Like it's not just the Republicans and the Democrats and the whoever's. This Christian thing started hundreds and hundreds of years before this country was even conceived or thought about. It's an old, old, old faith. And over time, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are or who believes. God is faithful to respond to your faith in Jesus Christ and to provide provide salvation for you. So it takes faith for us to believe in Jesus. And the Bible says we're made right by placing our faith in His grace. That's how we are saved. But it's so cool to me that God also allows there to be evidence. You know, in the first century, when the first people gave their hearts to Christ and the Holy Spirit baptized them that first day in Acts, you know, in that first time, there was a lot of evidence. A lot of these people had been with Jesus after He rose from the dead. So it wasn't just faith, but there was evidence of the fact that He had died and had risen. And there's still evidence today. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he was, he was writing a letter to this church, and Paul passed on this evidence to them. He even spoke about the evidence. He says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. All the disciples spent time with Jesus. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. I think the technical term for 500 followers is like buttload of followers. I'm pretty sure that's the technical term. Kids, don't say that at home, okay? Only Pastor Curry gets to say that. Hundreds of people saw Jesus alive. 
And it's documented as evidence through scriptures and through other writings. And then Paul says, most of these people are still alive. In other words, he's saying, go talk to them. Go ask them about this Jesus who has risen. Then he goes on. He says, then he was seen by James, all of the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Here's Paul. If you know the story, used to be Saul, right? And he hated Christians, and he hated Christ, and he hated the church, and he did everything he could to bring the church down and to kill Christians. And that's what he was on the way to do when he met Jesus face-to-face on the road to Damascus. And his name was still Saul. He even had a different name. And he was a Jew of Jews, and he was a teacher of the law, probably one of the most well-noted Jews of the day. And he wanted nothing to do with Christians except persecute them and kill them. And he meets Jesus on this dusty road to Damascus face-to-face, and Jesus rolls away the stone from Paul's heart, and Paul believes, and Paul believes. It's just an amazing, amazing testimony And so now Paul is sharing this with the church at Corinth. And he's telling them, listen, there's more than 500 eyewitnesses who saw Jesus alive after he was crucified. Go talk to them about it. Go ask them. And here's the interesting thing about evidence. You know, the thing about evidence is that it it shouldn't change over time. It shouldn't change over years. What was evidence remains evidence. It's written about, it's talked about, and it's evidence. I was asking my friend Dave Viss, who's an attorney, and I said, so how, much, or how many witnesses does it take to make a conviction in court? And he said, just one. But then he said, you know, it doesn't even take a witness. If you have enough evidence, circumstantial evidence, you can get a conviction. And I thought, you, you want circumstantial evidence? First of all, you want eyewitnesses, more than 500 people. But let's talk about circumstantial evidence for a second. I personally feel and I believe that some of the most compelling evidence about Jesus Christ being risen and being alive and well and rolling stones away from people's lives are the radical changes that come to people's hearts and people's lives when they believe. Paul was one of these people. And many of you have known people where you say, man, that's not the same person that they were you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Wow, have they changed. And that's because Jesus rolled the stone of unbelief away. And then the Holy Spirit has been working on our hearts to leave a life of sin and make us more and more like Christ, right? That's what happens. And so the compelling evidence is for the millions and millions of lives changed. I was reading a report this week that said that over 2 billion Christians or or people, not all Christians possibly, will be attending church today. Over 2 billion out of 7.2. What is it, 1, 7.1? That's a lot of people going to church. You hear all this bad news about people leaving church. I would say there's a, a lot of people in church, wouldn't you? And I understand that we need to continue to work hard at spreading the gospel and bringing people to church and, and helping people come to faith in Christ. But listen, the church is alive and well around the world. I was talking to Mike this morning in Haiti. Already today, Easter morning is over. And there have been so many great reports already of people coming to Christ. Which doctor burning the stuff, you know? I've already heard from India this morning. It's now nighttime. 
of all the people from many different faiths that have come to Christ already this Easter. Jesus is alive and well all over the world. And, and don't believe the news, everything they say. All right? The church is alive and well. And there's a lot of circumstantial evidence to the fact that Jesus Christ is risen. Now, Jesus said to the most righteous people of his day, they were the, the, the Jews that were following the law, they were keeping the law, they were the best people he could find, the goodest people he could find, okay? And listen to what he said to them. Even though you're so good, that's me, I said that, Jesus said, you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. So what changes the heart from a tomb to a temple, because the Bible says that now that we have Jesus, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, right? We live lives of worship. What changes the heart from a tomb to a temple is simply to believe. That's it. It's simply to believe. And then the Holy Spirit begins His work on our hearts and our lives. Paul said it like this in Romans 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How are you saved? Believing in your heart, right? Okay. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and by openly declaring or confessing your faith or living out loud the fact that that Jesus has forgiven your sins, that you are saved. God is still rolling stones today. He's still rolling stones, especially that big stone of unbelief. As I look around the room, I, I see people. I've seen people all morning that, for many of you, I know some of your story. And I know the size of the stones and the kinds of stones that God has rolled away. So God starts with the stone of unbelief, but then he moves into smaller stones in our life that follow. And many of you in the room have a story that we could tell. Some of you, we have told your story. But many of you have a story, and we want to share one story today of a a woman that has gone full circle in her life from not knowing Christ as an adolescent to coming to where now she gives away her life to help others that need Jesus. So let's listen to Emily's story this morning. My name is Emily Colasicio, and I am the administrative assistant for the EDGE Ministries here at North County Christ the King, and I just want to share about how Jesus rescued me. I grew up in a family that didn't go to church and started off with a lot of freedom. My parents worked a lot, and I took advantage of that time. So at nine years old, I started smoking cigarettes. At 10, I started smoking marijuana. And at 11, I started drinking. As I got older, as I got into middle school, it started becoming, you know, a real dependency and a real problem for me. I started coming to youth group um, in middle school and a friend invited me and I thought, hey, yeah, sure, I'll go. And it started out as that, but as the years went on, it, you know, became something that, you know, God was really starting to get my attention. And when I was in eighth grade, February 23rd, I was sitting in my room one night and God spoke to me and he showed me this vision of, what my life was going to be like if I did not make drastic changes and, you know, 
leave the sin that I was living in. And that night I made the decision to truly give my life to him and be completely like 180 uh, change for me in my life. When God gave me that vision, it was like showing me how I was dead in my sin. And from that day on, it was like he rolled that stone away and brought me like to life. After high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And one of my mentors had talked to me about YWAM and all the different things you could do with that. And so I thought, yeah, that sounds good. I'll take six months to spend with Jesus. And so I went to Argentina. So in 2008, I went down to Argentina thinking it would be just a six month thing and it turned into a nine year adventure around the world. While serving in YOM, I met my husband and we got married in 2013 and we continued to serve together in YOM until 2015. And then we moved across Argentina to help my in-laws plant a church. We felt like it was a good time to be able to come back to the States and we already had tickets to go back to Argentina. So we decided that we would keep those and we would go back and sell our belongings and spend the holidays with my husband's family. And the week before we were heading back to Argentina, we found out we were pregnant. So we spent the first five months of my pregnancy in Argentina and we moved back here, got settled in, uh, living with my parents, and we went into our 30-week checkup and my doctors said, oh, your blood pressure is really high. They diagnosed me with severe preeclampsia. There's possibility for seizure and stroke. So we went to C-section and on March 15th, Sophia was born. She was two pounds, 10 ounces, and 16 and a half inches, just tiny, tiny little thing. They originally told us that we would be in the hospital at least until my due date, so two full months. Miracle after miracle, God made it that she just excelled at everything that they tried to teach her how to do, and she just blew away their expectations of what she was capable of, and we knew that all of that was God working in her. And instead of being there two months plus, we were there for one month and one day, and we came home on Easter Sunday. And now I'm working in EDGE with the same age group of kids of when I started down my wrong path and I'm able to help them and point them to Jesus and encourage them to make decisions to follow him now and not later on in their life. 
and the difference that that can make for them. Going from not knowing why God was asking us to move to the States to this whole situation with Sophia, we can see how God was orchestrating and lining up each step for us, even though we couldn't see it. Looking back, I can see so many different times in my life where Jesus was rolling that stone away, where he brought me literally back to life. And my life is so different today because of saying yes to him when he called me. I love Emmy's story, and uh, so she's the one that works with, uh, you know, like 30 volunteers and Matt, and they uh, take care of the fourth and fifth graders. And I just love her story because it brings her around in a full circle, right? It brings her full circle from, you know, the time that she didn't know Jesus and he rolled away that stone of unbelief, the big stone, uh, when she was just a teenager, and how now, you know, through the circle of, of walking with him and coming back home, now she's working with the very age kids that she was when she was struggling so hard. And I just love the fact that she's pouring herself uh, into, into those kids. You know, what happened in Emmy's life when she was just a teenager was that her heart was still like a tomb. It was like a tomb. It was dark. It was empty. If you talk with her and listen to her story, you'll find that she struggled with feelings of loneliness and emptiness, hopelessness, abandonment, and she just felt... You know, like, like there was nothing for her. And so she began to, to give herself to other things. But when Jesus entered her life, he rolled away that stone of unbelief and began to fill her dark and hardened heart with his light and bring her to life, as she said. And you can see it in her. I mean, she is a delightful person to work with and have on staff, just an amazing person. And, and God has done that all. And one of the things that Emmy talked about is that God is was rolling stones of sin away in her life. And that's the second thing I want to talk with you about today, is that not only does God roll away the big stone of unbelief, but he also rolls away the smaller stones that follow, those areas of sin, those patterns of sin in our life that God wants us to move away from. God is still rolling stones of sin away. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's, let's just talk about sin. There's a nice light-hearted topic this morning, right? Let's just talk about sin for a minute and what it does. So we know the sin of unbelief. It needs to be rolled away because that gets between us and God. But these other sins that sometimes we continue in as Christians, as followers of Christ, these patterns of sin, they tend to make our hearts hard. And they put us in a place where we can't receive everything from Jesus that he wants us to have. We kind of block the Holy Spirit because we have these, this hardness of heart in our life. And Jesus wants to roll those stones away. And that happens through a process called repentance where we turn away from our sin and we follow Jesus where he wants to lead us. And it also happens through confessing our sin and he forgives us of our sin and cleanses us. And it, it happens when we turn away from our old lifestyles and we embrace the new lifestyle that Jesus has for us. And the Bible says that when we do that, God will soften our heart and make us able to receive all that Jesus has for us. 
Even way back before Christ, this was prophesied by the prophet Ezekiel. And he said, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart. How many of you love the fact that God is changing your heart? Let me see your hands. God is changing our hearts. Man, my heart was stony. I can tell you. I had a stony heart. And through years and years and years, God continues to work on my stony heart. And it's becoming more and more responsive and tender and open to what Jesus wants and and what Jesus believes about me as time goes on. And I know that's true for you as well. I just love that about Jesus. One of the things that came through the resurrection is Jesus helps, helps us to walk away from sin, repent from sin in our lives. And he gives us a fresh start. You know, there's the sins that we commit, right? We can understand why those harden our hearts. But then there's also the sins that have been committed against us. And I've had those sins in my life as well. I've had things done to me. I've gone through things in my life that were hurtful and hard and damaging. And even those sins, Jesus wants to roll away. And he does that through the power of forgiveness. You know, as we receive forgiveness for our sin, God gives us the ability to forgive others for their sins against us. And when we do that, that makes us even more responsive to all the love that Jesus has for us. And it frees you to love and not live in bitterness. So not only does Jesus roll away the stones of our sin, but he rolls away the stones of others' sins against us when we will allow him to do that and invite him to help us. And then Emmy talked about this thing that, that I really loved. And I hadn't thought about this much. But I love the vision that God gave Emily about where her life could have gone. Did you catch that? Like, where would your life be if it wasn't for Jesus? Have you thought about that? I mean, I've thought about my life. I mean, my life before really walking with Christ was drunkenness, unfaithfulness, hardness of heart. And I think about my life and I think, what one more bad decision would it have taken before I end up really hurting somebody or really hurting myself even more than I did. And I, and I just think about, I think about that, and I think about our lives, and I think about, you know, with Jesus, he's really rolled away the stone of what could have been if we'd remained in our sin and if we'd remained in our destructive patterns and hadn't turned like Emmy and, and walked 180, you know, the other direction with Jesus. Our lives are so different today because Jesus has been in our lives. Amen. I mean, think about that. Contemplate on that. And it brings even more power in our hearts to the resurrection and what Jesus has done for us. So Jesus has rolled away the stones of unbelief. That's the big one. That's the big tombstone that blocks our hearts. And then Jesus rolls away the stones of of sins in our life and even what might have been in our life. And then thirdly today, what I want to leave you with And this is much more current. This is what what is happening currently in all of our lives, no matter who you are. And that is that Jesus is still rolling stones of fear away. I don't know if you've noticed, but even as a Christian, fear comes. Have you noticed? Fear comes, and we struggle with fear in our life. Insecurity. Feeling like we don't have what it takes. And God wants us to be free of that fear. And Jesus talked about this. Through, through John in 1 John 4, he said, We know how much God loves us, and we've put our trust in his love. God is love. 
And all who live in love live in God and God in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect or God's love in us grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Can you say no fear with me? No fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. Would you say that with me this morning? Perfect love expels all fear. What does that mean? Perfect love expels all fear. Again, I go back to the premise that we all have fear. We have fears of some sorts. And here are some of the obvious things we fear. I think we fear death. We fear death. But Jesus has overcome death, so we don't have to fear death anymore. We know as as believers we're going to walk right out of this life into eternity with him. And so we don't have to fear death. I'll tell you what I fear. I fear pain. Like how I die. Anybody think about that? How many of you want to kind of direct how you die? Yeah. You know, I don't fear death because I know where I'm going to go immediately on my last breath. But I do fear the pain of death. I'm just being honest, okay? There's certain ways I'd rather die than others. Okay, just saying. We all fear judgment. But Jesus has died and taken on the punishment for our sin and the judgment that would have been ours. And so we don't have to fear God's judgment anymore because God sees us through Christ and through His blood. And we're perfect. We're atoned for. So we don't have to fear God's judgment. But how many of you still fear judgment on the planet here? How many of you like to be judged? Is that fun? You know, we kind of live in a judgy town, don't we? We do. Hey, I grew up here, so I can say that. I know. I know. We live in a judgy town where people... Just look at the surface and people, you know, kind of judge you by how you look or by what happens in your life. And and Jesus doesn't want us to live under the fear of that judgment. Jesus wants us to be free of that. And the way he frees us from that judgment is he says, think about how much I love you. Think about how much I value you. Think about how much you mean to me. Let me be your security. Don't worry about what other men and women and boys and girls think about you so much. Think about what I think about you, Jesus says. And you know what I think about you. You are precious. You're a masterpiece. I have bought you with the price, my own precious blood. I mean, Jesus looks at you and he sees value when he looks at you. And that's how he wants us to see ourselves as he sees us. So we can be free from the fear of judgment if we will simply believe what Jesus thinks and says about us. We are his children. He loves us. He loves us no matter what. He always loves us, right? I believe that God wants to roll away those stones of fear that we have in our life so that we have something good to offer. So that we don't live in a life of insecurity. So that we don't live in a life of shame thinking... I did this bad thing. What could I possibly have to offer? You know, if I if I thought that way, I would never do what I do. I'd be held bondage to my shame of my past. I would not want a video of my life before coming to Christ to be shown on the screen. I would be embarrassed. And so I'm so thankful that I'm freed from that shame because it has freed me now to minister to the very people that you know, struggle with the same things I struggled with. Just like Emmy. 
ministering to adolescents now because that was the time in her life when she struggled. And so what happens when we allow Jesus to be our security is it frees us to wherever you're at, you know, wherever you have influence, the people that you work with, the people that you're around the most, the people that God brings into your life for this very purpose. When your security is in Christ, it frees you to be the light of Christ to those people and to help them come to Christ or help them grow in Christ. And that's God's plan for our life. God doesn't want to leave us in this place of insecurity. God wants to move us always further, always up. God has purpose for our life. Don't stay stuck in your patterns of sin. Sin holds you back. It keeps you in shame. Walk away with the help of the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about. You know. I I know. Don't stay stuck in your sin. Let the Holy Spirit lead you out of patterns of sin in your life so that you can have the rich and fulfilling life that Jesus has planned for you. You know, Jesus didn't just die for you for eternal life. Jesus died for you also for the abundant life. And that's here on this planet. In fact, Jesus said that in John 10.10. He said, the thief... Who's the thief? Satan. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to ruin your life with sin. He does. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. In the King James Version, the old version, it says life and abundant life. Right? Life and life abundant. And that's what Jesus wants to give us. Jesus came and died and rose so that we could have eternal life. But Jesus also came so like Emmy or like me or like anybody else in the room that is simply aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and you simply let the love of Christ come to the lives of others in your life. What did Jesus say? Love God and love others, right? When you simply do that, you're fulfilling the purposes of God in your life. And you let God lead you always further in, always further up. That's what God wants to do. And that's the best life ever. The best life is being used by God to let Him fulfill His purposes in you, but then also in the people that God has called you to. It's part of the resurrection. Resurrection is not just eternal life. Resurrection is also rich with the purposes and plans that God has for you. Everybody in the room is a masterpiece. Everybody in the room is a masterpiece. You're made on purpose, designed by God to fulfill the plans that God established for you before the creation of the world. God knew who you would be, and God knows what you have to offer. Don't hold yourself back. Don't hold yourself back by shame and guilt from your past. Let Jesus roll those stones away. Let him convince you of your value that you have in him. And then partner with him for His purposes in your life. This is Easter. This is the message of Easter. Jesus said it like this. Greater love has no man than this, say it with me, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. A man, a woman, a boy or a girl would lay down their life for their friends. Jesus is still rolling stones away. He's rolling stones of fear away. He's rolling stones of sin away. And Jesus today at this very moment is working on somebody's heart in the room to roll away the stone of unbelief. And that would be the greatest gift you could ever receive in your entire life today. Today. Would you stand with me?
I want to pray with you, and we're going to worship some more together. But I just want to pray first, because Easter is such a time to to kind of reignite our awareness of all Jesus has done, especially on this day. And so I just want to pray that over us today. And I want to thank Him for rolling the stones away in our life. Let's pray. Father, today we are just so grateful that You sent Jesus. You sent Jesus to live and to go through life and to be one of us. You sent Jesus to understand the weaknesses and temptations of life. You sent Jesus to take on to His own body the sin that we would commit, that we have committed, the curse of the world. Jesus took it on and and He he paid the punishment for that sin. And God, today, for many of us in the room, we thank You for rolling away the stone of unbelief so that we could have the tomb of our hearts lit up by You, Jesus. We could see and come to life and walk with you in in your purposes. Thank you for that, Jesus. We worship you for that, Lord. God, in this room, everybody has a story of their journey of coming to you. Maybe some have not crossed that line, but many of us have. It's a beautiful story of you rolling away the stone in our life. And so we thank you for that today, and we worship you for that today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to take a moment. We're just going to remember the story of who Jesus is and what he's done in our life. Let's just worship him today.